We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about the life cycle of a realtor. But first, I'm Tamara Gady, Director of Collin County Sales for Lawyer's Title. If you love my content, you're really going to love my escrow team. So let's have a conversation about your title needs. Uh, my information will be in the comments below. Please reach out to me and let me know how I can help you. I'm really excited about our show today. I have two amazing guests with me. They're not just realtors, but they're also really good friends of mine. Jeff Updike, he's a Dallas-based broker that's been in the real estate business for 30 years. And then I also have Weston Pugh, who's been in the real estate business and in the Dallas area for about 14 years now. Together, they make Updike Pugh. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So glad you're here today. I'm really excited about our topic. Mm -hmm. So before we ask the first question about the actual topic that we're going to talk about, because it is what I'm going to ask you about is based around everything we're going to talk about today. How did you guys become Updike Pew? Why don't you share with the audience really quickly how that happened? Back in the day. Mm -hmm. Back in the day. (laughs) So Jeff had been in real estate for how many years prior? 15 years or so. 15 years. And I had just recently moved to Dallas and was in new home sales. That did not pan out. Won't name the company, but not worth it. And I didn't understand that everybody, every new agent was really sought after by brokerages. And so I knew him through one of our good friends, Ashley Conlon. And I just went up to him and I said, hey, um, are you hiring? And he was like, yes. I said, well, I'm getting my real estate license. I'll be back in about six months. And six months later... I showed up. Mm-hmm. That's how it started. Ready to go. Yep. Yep. And you guys were with Remax at the time. That's you, that correct. That was your brokerage, yep. Remax in Uptown. Yes. I remember because I had a lot of fun times at your brokerage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did have a lot of fun times. Yeah. yeah. Back when everybody was in Uptown, Area 17 was like really yes. fun mm-hmm. and full yes. of life. It was also during, I think, when 2008 and nine, and it was kind of tough. And so we had a lot of time to hang out with everybody. And that's how we made so many good friends back then. That is the, I'm telling you, I don't know how affiliates do it today. I don't either. I had mm. the best time coming into the business in 09 and 2010. Yeah. I mean, I had the margarita man on speed dial, the taco <laughs> man, the hamburger man, uh, ice cream man. And we would just go to MLS meetings in the morning, uh-huh. go to tour, have some, and then set up at a broker at open mm. I know. from one to three and just have a fabulous time mm-hmm. hanging out. That's how I, I mean. That's you guys had the time yeah. to build relationships back then. Mm-hmm. And so people have asked me over the years, like, how in the world do you know Weston and Jeff and Chris and John and all the other big names that are in Dallas real estate? And I said, because we sat at a broker open yep. from mm-hmm. one to three and drank margaritas. Well, and met each other. <laughs> in the beer right now. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, and it is really interesting. I mean, this is a, this is a little off topic, but you know, how we came up in the business is not how you come up in the business now. That's true. Very and true. So it's, it's always kind of evolved. It was, you know, 30 years ago, it was a different way to come up in it. You know, 15 years ago, it's different. Today, it's different. It's it's one of those things that I, I think just changes all the time. Because mm-hmm. before, I, you're right, because back in the day, you were so dependent on that up phone taking mm-hmm. calls. And so the broker could kind of conduct and control who did that by, did you go on tour? Mm-hmm. Are you supporting our vendors? You know, there were requirements before you actually got to sit on the desk. And today, with the internet and with social media like we have right here, that's not as important. And so it's really a different way to cut your teeth and mm-hmm. get in the business. I don't know if it would be very different right now to get into it. It would be harder, mm-hmm. I think. And I, you know, I have these conversations with our new sales reps that have come on board. They've all been experienced in the business, but they're struggling trying to get their businesses up and running. And I, you know, I I don't know how you would do that right now because you guys are exhausted and, and, and even though inventory is really tight and interest rates are going up, your hair is still on fire all of the time. Mm -hmm. And how much time do you have to sit down with a new affiliate that calls you up and asks you to go to coffee or lunch? Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's hard to, it's hard to not do that because I think we all reflect back on what we had to go through to be successful in it. So when you have somebody that that calls and they've got, uh, you know, a, a genuine tone in their voice and they really just want to meet you to 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 get their their face out there, it's it's hard not to do that. But it's you know you also just have to manage your time. I agree. I call you guys realtor unicorns. We <laughs> we know you're out there. <laughs> But we don't really ever see you. 
even today's date, I think that like when we see new agents come into the business and become successful, those agents have a life prior to real estate. And so like they were a teacher or they worked as a nurse or they worked at CBRE. And so they have this database and this outpouring of connections that allow them to like step into it and make connections and start helping people buy and sell houses. But if you're just stepping out of college and think that this is it and it's easy and the market's hot. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to be tough. a really big challenge. Yeah. yeah. And so you kind of tapped into it. So let's kick off our first question. You know, we're going to talk about the, just starting out yeah. the first three years. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Yeah, I know. Aren't you so glad we're not there <laughs> right now? If, if I had known how hard it was going to be when I stepped into it, I don't know that I would have done real estate. And you don't, I, the, I think you came into the business at such a great time because it was so difficult. So scary. It was, it was so difficult. And it really, I think, it, it, people that came in at that time really had to work very hard to build a business. And so as the, the business has, has gotten easier, got better, you know, the market's gone up, the ones that come in, like over the last couple of years, while they may have been doing business for the last couple of years, I think they may, some of them may struggle as the market begins to shift. And maybe we go into a little bit, uh, just a little bit slower market. And we'll start to see, you know, you start to see a lot of new agents jump on teams for the safety net that a team can provide. And then it's just a part of the business. We'll see a bunch of them wash out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about how do you get started? Can you reach that far, <laughs> that far back? Well, uh, you know, I've been there a long time. It, the, the, the thing that I think is similar to when I started to right now is you have to have those relationships. You know, it's that like that first year, like Weston was saying, uh, people that come into this business as a second industry or a second career life really have an advantage because right. many times they've made the uh, connections that they need to make. They've also demonstrated their professional ability in whatever their other industry was. So I, th I think that's really one of the key components in coming in right now is you have to be, you have to be connected genuinely to a group the of community people. And yeah. Yeah, the community. One, one of the things that uh, Jeff had in play, I'll just jump in real quick as a new agent, Jeff had several developments that he represented when he, when I first got on with Remax. And so I just assumed that I had to go to work every day and had nothing to do, but I would go sit in the model home all day, every day. And he was like, you're going to do that again. I was like, I'm going to do this every day until I get a sale and then I'm going to keep doing it. And so it was just different. I think elements that are available to new agents that are like that, they should really take advantage of those. And it may not be the most money, but this real estate is a relationship long marathon. Yep. It is. That is what it is. If you think it's a sprint, you will be washed out. Mm -hmm. Correct. So I think you hit into a couple of key points. First of all, identify that you have a working sphere, mm -hmm. right? And who is that sphere? And if you don't know who that sphere is, then let's sit down and talk about, you know, who that is. I mean, it, yeah. can, it can be everything from your, t your kid's teacher to mm -hmm. the soccer coach, to the hairdresser, to any, any of your ancillary services or people that come into your home and help you with whatever that is. So mm -hmm. identifying your sphere is very important. Correct. Yes. And then you tapped into open houses. Okay. Yeah, that was a, a really big benefit for us for a very long time with the, the way the market has gone in the last four or five years, it, that even that component's been taken away because uh, we did, you did an open house at one of our listings and, you know, it, it was good neighborhood, well-priced home, and you had 100 people through? 100 plus in, in two hours. Yeah, and you can't you can't really build relationships or, you're right. you know, you're at that point, he, he, he said, I was really just kind of pointing them. Yeah. You know, it's but. yeah. And I think too, like when we're talking about like, how do we get involved? If, if you have a family that's a built in, but if you don't, I, I like what I've, I've volunteered, I've done ceramics at the, at a Brookhaven and I played volleyball on a couple of leagues. And I will say that each one of those things that I was doing that I wanted to do that was fun. I was able to be my most genuine self and pick up buyers and sellers mm -hmm. from that. And so I think, you know, if someone goes into like some type of volunteer work or whatever, and they're doing it just to um, get clients that it'll register that way. So you really have to look at yourself and say like, what is of interest to me and figure out how can I do that and enjoy my time and making connections. 
Perfect. And I, I and I agree exactly with what you're saying about the open houses. You know, it's funny because I've seen whole teens go in to hold open houses mm. up north. You know, I've been and then they really? recruited me. Don't I'm not coming to your open house. <laughs> Why? But um, they have brought me in to like just man the table to collect everybody's information because yeah. they had 150, 200 people yeah. at the open house. Yeah. And so um, there was probably three or four realtors at that open house and they were tag teaming just so they could collect all the buyer information. Wow. I, I, I would think that is probably the way you have to do it now. Mm. It's um, it, just because of the technology and the industry changing and the, the, the consumer's availability of information, you know, 15 years ago, it was very different. And so uh, consumers really had to come to us. Yeah. And now um, one of the things that is super different is we'll get a call from somebody in our database who says, hey, I've got an interest in this home over here. And, you know, well, first of all, we didn't know you were interested in moving, which is bad on us, I guess. But <laughs> secondly, they're they're coming armed with reams of information about that house. And they're, they're saying, so what do you think about it? You know, and all you can do is <laughs> yeah. pull it up in MLS. Uh, well, it was built in 1983. Yeah, it's got to take you a little bit off guard that the buyer, the potential buyer knows way more about the house than you do mm -hmm. because the Internet's opened that up. Mm -hmm. And because inventory right now is scarce, people pivot on a dime. So, like, I'm on, they'll tell you I'm only looking below Mockingbird east of the lake and they give you like this finite thing and then two weeks later they haven't found anything they haven't found anything and they're over there in northwest dallas uh -uh. and i'm like that's sparkman's club what are yeah. you doing over yeah. there yeah no so you have to be ready you cannot be a true like farming a single area any longer so if you're getting into real estate thinking i'm only going to do lakewood well there's 700 others of you that are only doing Correct. lakewood yeah. right so you really really need to be wide open to all. I think there's a balance in what you're saying because I think there's a lot of realtors who say I'm your DFW specialist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they that's, are not. that's too much of a <laughs> they are not. that's too much of an area. Mm -hmm. So I agree that you do need to be an expert in particular yeah. areas of the the metroplex where you plan on selling. Even the um, even the real estate commission is has developed a term that they're calling geographic competency. And, I, I learned that in Trek Legal too. And it is I love it because for a long time, we did have people from other cities that were realtors in other cities that had a son or a daughter buying up here and they just wanted to write the contract for them and yeah. save them. And, you know, it just made it incredibly difficult. And a lot of times those people did not get the representation that they needed. Yep. Well, and as a realtor, you can refer that out. And if you want to yep. refund them back your 20, 25% referral Absolutely. commission, yep. by all means. Absolutely. And I think for a first time, for a newbie agent, the thought that you can do this part-time with your other job is, is um, you, you're really not doing your buyers and sellers the justice because in this market, they need you when they need you. And it's not, I mean, even today, we almost weren't able to make today because Correct. it was like this huge gyration because something happened in an option period. Mm -hmm. And so if you have like little constraints geographically that you can't leave somewhere, you can't really service buyers and sellers today. And on top of that, the sheer cost of being a realtor. Yeah. It's not cheap. <laughs> no, it's not. Let me get another drink. Yeah. <laughs> so so kind, of, but kind of back to your question about the, the you know, the, like years one through three. Here, here kind of my little idea of it is the first year you are going to, you're probably only going to do business with people that you don't know. You may do business with a few you do, but you're going to end up with more people that you don't know. But what a newbie agent has to do is demonstrate, uh, is, is talk about that success to the people that they know, because sometimes it takes two or three years for the people that you know to feel comfortable referring you or working directly with you themselves, because Buying a home is usually the largest investment most people make. Yep. And that requires a lot of trust. Well, and I know from switching companies, it yep. took a while to rebuild that trust because, you know, there's a lot of reps that jump in and out of mm -hmm. title and don't make it. And they mm -hmm. come from home warranty. They're like, title's going to be fun. And, mm -hmm. you know, they just, it's, it's a hard business that I don't know that a lot of people understand what they're getting into. So I did have a ramp up period of where I have to reestablish myself mm -hmm. yeah. and prove that I'm going to stay put and prove that you can trust me and my escrow team and all of that. So the same thing goes for you guys. Oh yeah. Um, 
everybody knows a realtor. Yep. Yes. And so at least one. At least at one. Least. Right at now least they one. right now they all know five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's you know. Okay. So speaking of year one, you go through your pre-licensing classes. You take mm-hmm. your test. You pass the test. Well, I went to Champions to get my license with Randall Graham, mm-hmm. by the way. Oh, did really? you know that? No. I didn't know that. No. <laughs> okay, so this is when I was working for Ebby and Mary Frances yeah. made me go get my real estate license, which was the best gift. I was a little like, I was like, I don't want to do this, but it turned out to be the best gift. So if you're watching Mary Frances, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that is nice. <laughs> but she wanted, she had been bugging Randall Graham for years to go get his real estate license. So we thought it'd be fun to go to real estate classes together and we sat in the room and just recruited everybody that Mm -hmm. we wanted (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome but if you ever see randall graham ask him if he has his real estate license (laughs) because he does not (laughs) he didn't finish (laughs) he finished and never took the test (laughs) so every you know milestone i did all my sae hours and then i started all my you know regular uh, ce hours i would text him or call him and go well did you do oh no you didn't because you didn't because you're not licensed (laughs) that's awesome that's funny i didn't even know that had not heard so anyway but my point was i had to share the funny story but my point was in champions you know all of these brokers came in and would do their spiels on what they would offer in new agent and how they were going to help them get off the ground. And so let's talk about how do you choose a brokerage? Well, I'll say how you don't choose a brokerage Mm -hmm. is the least expensive one. Mm -hmm. If that's the whole reason while you're choosing a brokerage, then real estate really isn't for you because there is so much you don't know. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant is basically what I thought the first year was like everything from the computer to how to write a contract to like navigating the super lock, everything was brand new. Nothing was prior knowledge, zero of it. And so if you're in a group that is just cheap and it's like $10 or we only take a portion of your commission, then that's gonna be really difficult for them to be able to provide you the level of training that you're gonna need to be successful. Yeah, passing the, the real estate classes teach you how to pass the test. Yeah, That's all that's, that's all, for. That's, uh, that is the, <laughs> that, in my terrible. opinion, it does not teach you how to build a long-term real estate <clears throat> business, which it, 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 you, I look at it like you are opening a store. You're opening a storefront somewhere. <clears throat> you've got to come up with product. You've got to come up with your marketing plan. You have to come up with all of your follow-up. You, I mean, it is. How to write a contract. Oh my gosh. How to negotiate a contract. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How to work with a buyer. Mm -hmm. How to terminate a contract. How to keep from getting sued. (laughs) How to keep from getting sued. (laughs) That's one of them. Preserving your E&O insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's all these things. And so give give us some pointers when looking for a brokerage for a newer agent. Uh, I think Weston's point is dead on number one. Don't, Don't do it based on price. You select a broker based upon how your business model is going to run and how that broker fits into helping you build that business model. In many instances, it really is just training. You know, um, I we didn't connect with the Ebby Halliday Company until 12 years ago, and we joined through the Dave Perry Miller organization. But Ebby has been known to have the best training program yeah. in the industry forever. and. I know when I was recruiting for Remax, it was hard for me to recruit people that really knew what they were doing because they wanted to go somewhere that had a really ex- extensive training program. And many times they would end up with the Ebby Holiday Company. And at some point, Ebby began charging people to go through that class because what they would do was people would join Ebby Holiday and then get the training and then they would go to a different broker. Oh, I've heard brokers say, go over to Ebby, get trained, and then come over and join our brokerage. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it, it kudos to the, to, to them for, for being, being uh, like to step out there and say, well, we're going to make you pay for this also, yeah. because I think that that really does. Well, you got it, some skin it, in the game. Then. You, you yeah. really do. And you could always re, I don't know, maybe they refunded after a year or two, but that, uh, they keep everybody off that one month in and out, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's, it is good training. The other thing too, is like, if you know of a certain neighborhood that you want to be in, you should kind of look at the, the signs in the yard that oh, are I think that's representing a great pointer. and figure out if that's what you want to be. I think so many times we see people want to go into that luxury market, but if you don't have 
the behind you to kind of do that, you're going to starve. Mm -hmm. And you need to be with, you can aspire and you can work your way to it, but that's not your first step. Real estate is steps and platforms built on each other. Mm -hmm. And so it's taking that first really solid step is crucial. And I think getting into a broker that's in the area is what you need to really focus on. You, you, you really do need that because you're, uh, you know, one of the benefits or really one of the decisions I think in, in choosing a broker um, has to be how, how much credibility is that broker going to bring to you in the marketplace sure. you want to be? Yep. And whether that's a geographic area or, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a business vein or, you know, whatever that is, I think that broker needs to have some exposure in that area as well. Uh, otherwise, you're going, you're not only going to be trying to build credibility for yourself, you got to build credibility for the broker that you're with. And that was one thing, you know, yeah. it's funny because now you're reaching back into my archive, archives in my brain when I used to recruit, mm -hmm. because that is something that I said is you are not a brand yet. Mm -hmm. No. Nobody knows who you are. Mm -hmm. No. And so you need to have a brand behind you that is recognizable because it instantly helps you create that mm -hmm. trust for people to want to do business with you. Yep. We're, and I think we're incredibly lucky here to have some really diverse brands. We have some really good brands and they're, they offer really diverse business models for people. Um, and I, it's one of the good things about real estate is, you know, there's an opportunity for everyone in this is if you're really willing, willing to work hard. And I would like to add that being in real estate, you learn on every single transaction. Mm -hmm. So you become more familiar with the framework of it, but there will be a wrinkle and there will be something you've never seen before or the way people negotiate begins to change. Every single time you're going to have to be learning. So if you're a person that likes things to be super click, click like mm -hmm. this, this is a tough business for you. Mm -hmm. It It is malleable, it is fast, it is fluid, and it is emotional. Mm -hmm. That's why real estate will never become automated because of those items. Yeah. So. I think it's really interesting that you say that because a lot of my extremely successful top agents have really zeroed in on all the nuances of the contract. They know that contract oh, yeah. better than they've ever known that contract. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they wield every section of it as a strategy yes. in their negotiations. You have to. And if you aren't, as a new agent, you don't have that information, that knowledge on, on every, like I'm talking every blank on the contract oh, yeah. is a negotiable point mm -hmm. and they use it. hundred percent. And so I think that that when you're going up against a very seasoned agent and you're a new agent, you know, that is a really tough stack. And the, our, our contracts are not black and white. They are, there is a lot of gray in our contracts. And I think one of the, one of the things that a newer agent needs to do is understand those gray areas and how to use those gray areas to your client's benefit. Yes. And make sure they don't get used against you yeah. because I think that that is a spot that a veteran will, will expose mm -hmm. so quickly. Okay. So to kind of recap a little bit, you know, one thing that a new agent needs to look for is on the on training mm -hmm. to get them mm -hmm. where they need to be to handle what's going on in this 100%. market but you need to be very versed on contracts and you need to be very versed on what does get you in trouble and all of these things. And so, you know, places like Ebby, I know Monument has a very extensive new agent training program. Mm -hmm, yeah. And so looking for that new agent training program and, and guys, you're going to have to like take a moment because I know it's really hard when you come into this business, you have $0 coming in mm -hmm. and your first thing is, Oh my God, I got to get a contract. Yeah. But, and you have to go through real estate <clears throat> school, that's dead time, mm -hmm. right? And then you're going through new agent training, that's dead time. And so you have a lot of ramp up period. And so this is also, I think what a golden, a golden nugget is. I used to coach agents that you need at least, and this is far too generous in this market, at least six months worth of savings. Mm -hmm. I think you need to be prepared for nine to 12 months of savings um, to be able yep. to sustain yourself, pay your bills and ramp up your real estate business. A absolutely, because, you know, kind of back to my analogy of opening the store and being responsible for everything, you can't open a store without without some kind of capital behind you. You know, you're, you're not gonna open the door day one and just have floods of people come in. You're, you know, you're gonna have to build that trickle of business and you need the resources to be able to back that up. The last tip I would say to newbie agents is to not spend what you have to pay the IRS. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That is huge. Mm-hmm. It is because this is the first time you will realize that you're responsible for your own taxes at the end of the year. And most of the time you have used all that money because you weren't making any money. And so every dollar meant something until now. Not only am I in debt, but I'm also now in arrears on my taxes. It's a bad, it, scary place to be. It, it, it is. Yeah, it, it, it is totally horrible. Is. And so I would say visit with your office administrator and maybe have them pull that out for you on the side. Some companies will do that. Otherwise, you need to set up your own savings account and that money needs to go in there and it needs to be untouched. It is the hardest thing, but it will make the tears so fewer. Great advice. So <clears throat> let's talk about why you should, why you would want to be on a team as a new agent, because we kind of talked about that for like a quick second mm-hmm. yeah. and then jumped into brokerages. So, you know, we've identified what you need to look for in a good brokerage. And of course, that's getting you set up the right way from the start with training and mm-hmm. and, the, and how, some offer mentor programs, right. you know, one-on-one mentoring programs, things like that. So you need to be looking for the training that you need. Right. And a lot of new agents were, and we're starting to see them more on seasons one, start to jump onto teams for the safety net of what a team can offer. Right. So why would an agent, why would an agent join a team? Hmm. I, you, you I think we have to like first clarify, like, are you joining to be a member of a team or are you co-founding a team? Because those are two totally different things. Like he and I are 50-50 on our team. But a lot of times what we're seeing is once a formation of a team happens, they add in additional, basically buyer's agents is what they're doing is that they just farm that out. And so you have to weigh that and figure out what you want, you know, your business to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, my, my personal opinion of teams is the, there, there are way too many teams out there that, that are not productive <laughs> and are not going to help agents in the long run. Um, there are teams that do, and I don't want to take anything away from them, but I think many times uh, it's it's kind of a, sometimes a last ditch effort mm-hmm. for an agent to, to think they're going somewhere. Now, the benefit of being on a team is you, you do have that uh, a little bit tighter feel of camaraderie with a group of people. Mm-hmm. You don't always get that, especially the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you haven't really gotten that from just the general office environment. Uh, if there is a lead structure built into that team where you are going to get leads, I think there's a value in doing that. Um, I, my personal feeling about the way the, those team structures work is is you if you join a team like that you're building the business for the team leaders you're not really building your own business because in most cases if you choose to leave that team that database people is not coming with you it's staying with with that team so the what you do have to be able to get out of that it is the additional training the you know the opportunity to talk to people where you get those leads because like you said with the open houses before that was really where I learned how to how to say things and how not to say things because you had people coming in and you knew what tone of voice to go you know work best to say hi Mm. you know yeah you all the nuances yeah yep so and I've seen you can tell I I, I'm privy to a lot of inner workings of a lot of teams and so you can see the ones that are really successful because their team leaders their teams don't leave Mm -hmm. right a lot of new agents will jump on teams so that they can gain the the additional training and information that they need and then they leave because they're tired of playing paying the split Mm -hmm. right and they're like, well, wait a minute, I can make more money out on my own. Mm-hmm. So you, you do see a lot of turnover on teams for that reason. But I think the successful team leaders have figured out how to keep their people even after they've been fully trained and they're up and running and full, you know, yep. fully capable of running their own business. Mm-hmm. And so there are reasons why an agent that is very successful would join a team because they don't want to carry all the load by themselves. That you know, is very the true. financial cost, handling all the marketing. A lot of these teams have marketing people, you know, that also do things for the team. Yeah. You know, even simple things like they have a process for opening, you know, opening ha- mm-hmm. doors and delivering signs. Yep. And, you know, all of these things that as a single agent, you have to manage all of this stuff by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I can see where alleviating some of that heavy lifting um, of those what 
it's all important, but these kind of day-to-day tasks that you just have to keep doing as mm-hmm. a realtor, right. they have infrastructure to handle stuff like that. The wheel has been developed and it's in motion. Correct. So you just get to get a, become a spoke mm-hmm. and really help. And that's what it is. So, I mean, they're really important. I think that a lot of times people age out of them like and become their own, will yep. found their form their own. And I think if you're going to go that route and form your own, I think you really have to look at having um, a working relationship where you're both of your skill sets don't lean in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Like he's much more negotiation contract and has taught me all that. And I'm much more like, why does a buyer think like that? How do our listings look? What is our marketing viewpoint and who are we targeting with this? Like, it's not just a shotgun mm-hmm. marketing blast. Like we're literally looking for someone who has 5% down that wants to live in this area. How do we talk to that person? Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's important for you to to not sync up with someone because they're cool and they're fun mm-hmm. because you're cool and you're fun too. <laughs> and then you're both doing the same thing, but nobody wants to do this stuff over here. Oh, you definitely have to find the yin to your yang. Yeah. You I, do. It is the, it's, it, I think one of the, the best parts of our partnership is uh, we, we don't excel in the same way. We, we have overlap where yeah. we do excel, but He's really good at one part of our business, and I'm really good at one at another part, and we we acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, I I know I am never going to pick another paint color because I'm bad at it. But he, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yes. that's and like I, I'll get a I'm contract. Sure no, 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 you do, but no, but I'll get a contract and I'll say <clears throat> X, Y, and Z in the contract, and he's like, go this way real quick, and he just has. 30 years. And I would also say that I would not want to play poker with Jeff because he's <laughs> just got that in him innately, uh-huh. you know? And so I would say that it's really great guidance. And so everybody's well, and you, know, you guys are very receptive to each other. So I yeah. think that's super important. You, there's no ego in this for you. Well, maybe there is every once in a while, but <laughs> you know, the, you guys... <laughs> Um, you know, maybe, maybe you guys are able to put that aside because you just work really well together and And we like each other. I mean, we're, you know, that's important too. We have mutual respect. (laughs) Yep. We a lot of mutual respect. And, you know, I, I call us best friends because I don't know that I'm on a friendship basis closer to anybody than he. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, I like it that way because it's like getting up and going to work with your best friend every day. So why not? Yeah. Yeah, You trust them. You're like, okay, there's not a behind that. There's no hidden angle that I'm unaware of, you know, it's just work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other thing, sharing a similar work ethic Mm -hmm. is critical because you need to do like, like how many vacations do you want to take a year? Yes. You know, are you cutting out every Saturday? Because we're in real estate and that's kind of tough. Yes. And, oh, you have, I don't know, five other people that you're obligated to and I have none. So does that mean I get to do 90% of the stuff right. and we're doing 50, 50 splits. So there are elements. And I think that we are lucky in the fact that our lives are very similar on a personal standpoint. And so when it comes to picking up and lifting, we both can lift the same amount. And that is critical mm-hmm. because the rest of the time it creates layers of animosity. Correct. And it's, I, I think we've kind of moved into away from like, we have to make a decision yeah, on a team. No, as it, but we've kind of progressed into, you know, if you, if you do want to form a partnership with someone, you know, what, what do, do you, you look, look for? for? Yeah. And, and those are really, you know, the things that work really works, work, work really well in ours. Um, I, uh, uh, as, as a broker for many years, I had a lot of people who would say, Hey, I think I'm going to partner up with, you know, Billy Joe over here and we're going to sell real estate together. And, you know, two months later, that relationship just crumbles and everybody hates each other. And I think for people that are considering going into a partnership, you can do deals together with someone for a few times without, you know, branding and creating this big oh, name. I think that's and, a great uh, idea. Yeah. the waters. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think sometimes people do get distracted by all of the, the, the creation part when you form a partnership with somebody, you know, they want to spend a couple hours working on the logo today. And then, yeah. you know, they're, Oh, we, oh, we need a schedule photo shoot. Yeah. yeah. You do not need another photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Sharon Harrison used to say, we're dating. We're not, we're not married. Yeah. <laughs> Love Sharon. Exactly right. Hey, Sharon. So I think that's a great way to say this. It's, <clears throat> it's okay to go and date someone for a little while yeah. before you get married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we, we actually worked together without forming our partnership, uh, 
for about a year. But it was like Weston said, I had I had contacts with a couple of developers that were doing condo conversions and I had a lot of inventory that I couldn't keep up with. And him coming in from new home sales and you know showing up over there every day without me prodding him was, I mean, that was really demonstrating something I needed right then. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, because um, I wasn't in the process of looking to make, form up a partnership. Like I was like, hell no, I'm doing this, this is me, I'm doing, I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing it. And I remember like one time, it's so funny, I was so tired. I was like, but you got to be there. I went and crawled. I did a George Costanza and crawled under my desk and took a nap. But I was like, I got to be here. I, and I'll hear that door open. I can be able to jump up. But I was so tired. I was like, I can't leave. Yeah. I got to work. So fun. Well, and I think before I go on to the next quick topic, um, I do want to tap into something that we that is a little bit more controversial, and that is the split. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the commission split. Because I think as a new agent, when you join a brokerage and you join a team, I will tell you, yeah. I will tell you that Ebby lost more recruits because another brokerage was selling them on you don't want to do this 65, mm -hmm. you know, 35 yeah. split or whatever it is. And they hear you're taking X amount of my commission every time. And then teams, a lot of teams have even more aggressive splits. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think it's really important as a new agent that you completely understand what you're getting for your split. Yes. Yeah. Because it, and, and, and I would ask really in-depth questions to the broker or to the team leader about what it is you're going to provide me. Because if you are a team leader buying Zillow leads, that's thousands of thousands and thousands. And in addition to the team photos and all of the marketing and all the you know all these and things staff and costs all the staff her, costs, yeah. yes. And they have huge. Some of these teams have really massive staff costs. Mm -hmm. yep. So I think, you know, you really have to understand as a new agent what that broker and what that team leader is alleviating for you. And I think it's really important that some of these team leaders really translate that to the to the agent mm -hmm. because, you know, you're alleviating a lot of heavy lifting for them mm -hmm. and freeing them up to be able to just go get a transaction. Mm -hmm. So I would, which is really, you know, uh, I kind of look at it from two ways where, you know, I kind of mentioned why I didn't think teams made sense for a lot of people before. But if you are somebody that maybe you don't, you don't have the personality to be able to learn everything about running your business at the same time. And you really just want to learn how to work with buyers. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a team yeah. might be the place for you, but you, but you are correct also that you need to know, what you're getting for that split because it is going to be expensive to be there. And it's a lot of reasons why agents leave. I'm paying this whole split. I don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think the other thing too is like going back to like, don't go to the cheapest person. If you're going to someone based on like, they're only going to take, you know, 20% versus another company's going to take 35. Well, this one that's only taken 20 is not going to teach you anything. So you're going, they're going to get 20% of nothing because they didn't teach you how to close the transaction. Mm -hmm. Whereas over here, they take 35 for a while but they're teaching you how to close that transaction, and build right. your business. Mm -hmm. So you tell me which one pot's going to fill up faster, yep. you know? Yep. It's just short-sighted. It's I a know. short sell. I know, but when they're in these meetings with all of these brokers and interviewing them and, you know, a certain, you know, there's brokers out there that are yeah. dangling this huge dollar. Yeah. We're not going to take your money from mm -hmm. you. But they you need know. to follow up with, and we're not going to teach you anything. <laughs> they need to follow up with that. Yeah. I mean, these transaction-based brokerages, I think those are great places for seasoned agents. I mean, it, or you know, it makes... Or ones that are just winding their career down. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think there's definitely a place for the diversity of brokerages mm -hmm. that we have now. But I don't know that I agree. That's the spot for the new agent. Mm -hmm. so. Or, or we always laugh because we'll deal a transaction. We're like, so the person is the listing agent, and they're also the manager and the owner of the company. And we always go, they can't play nice with others. <laughs> they just can't. <laughs> so um, let's move into another conversation. And I've seen a lot of my realtors. Um, get their broker broker certificate lately. Mm -hmm. So we've got a lot of we've got a lot of agents becoming brokers. Mm -hmm. And um, I've had several clients do it over the last two years, especially with COVID, because yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> they had time. What else do you have to do, right? <laughs> so I think we've had an influx in brokers. So yeah. why would you want to be a why should you be a broker? Why would you want to be a broker? Um, and stay either stay with a brokerage or start your own shop. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of brokers that don't break out and do their oh, yeah. right. 
Yeah, it, I, I, I think the, the benefit of the education you get from a broker's license really does help you with your business because you learn deeper aspects of running a brokerage that you may not use, but you begin to understand how that operates and what the responsibility is. And it also helps you know better what to look for when you are making a decision to make a change. Like I, I uh, went from you know being a sales agent to being a partner in a company two years later, and I got my broker's license in 1996. But I went, but I wasn't going to be a managing broker at that point. And then I went to become a managing broker for five years, and found that I just didn't like doing that. Mm -hmm. And so that was that was why we had partnered up, and that was part of why we transitioned over to Dave Perry Miller was. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to I didn't want to do all that. I didn't realize it, but I thought that was the natural progression. You think there's things you're supposed to do as you progress in your mm -hmm. real estate career? But years ago, that was where brokers made all the money, and that yes. was well, that was the natural progression. Absolutely, you wanted to move in that position and have that downline, you know. But I think that today, the way that the market rotates so fast, mm -hmm. that as an agent, you can handle at one point 20, 25 transactions. Well, I'll tell you, when you're handing 20, 25 transactions, you know, that's, you're fine. Yeah. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so that, uh, so that's kind of my answer for whether you should get your broker's license or not. I think people should progress to that because I think there's an extra layer of education that you get. Um, there's, and you also have more flexibility in your career. If you decide to do something different, that's true. You, yeah. you've got, you have instant, instant decision-making capability for mm -hmm. that. Um, and there's a difference between being a broker and opening your own shop, right? Yeah, huge, huge difference between the two. Oh, yeah. And we had extensive conversations about when you decided to step out of your brokerage mm -hmm. and rejoin uh, one of the more recognized brands. Yeah. So um, I think it's, you know, I see a lot of people breaking off and trying to do these indie brokers. And I've had several husband wife teams that have left their brokerage and started their own shops, not necessarily to build some huge brokerage, but they're yeah. fully capable of running their own business mm -hmm. and they yeah. just don't need the support of a traditional brokerage or a regular yeah. brokerage anymore. I, I really think you have to, uh, it's another one of those situations where you really have to be open to digging down into the numbers, honestly, of what are you going to achieve by opening that on your own? Mm -hmm. Are you, um, are you trying to define a new business model or are you, um, you know, are, are you trying to create some legacy for yourself? But, you know, to me, at the end of the day, if the if the numbers don't make sense to do it, you, you're probably doing it for your own ego. And, you know, the ego is the thing that's going to cost you the most money every day anyway. And one of the things that I did was connect them with other people that had already done yeah. what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So I kind of formulated an unofficial list of people. Here's who you need to go talk to because mm -hmm. they did it and they can tell you the pros and cons. And I even gave them the name of someone like Jeff who did their own yeah. shop, closed their shop and went back to a brokerage mm -hmm. because they, they needed to understand why he did that too. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's, you know, the, the interview people that are doing what you're wanting to do to mm -hmm. see how, how to do it the right way or what to look for. Or did and do. stopped. Why yeah. did you stop? I think yeah. asking the question of why you stopped is more important than, Oh, you're, you know, because going back to 20 years ago as a broker, we didn't have the same technology requirements that we do today. Mm -hmm. Like you need an app, you need to have a website, you need to have an IG account, you need to have a marketing team, you need everything. And it's not like part-time, that stuff needs to be happening all the time. Yeah. And it's tough. It's, it's really a lot more demanding than it used to be, of course. Well, let's talk about your podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh. I was just on it. Was you that, were. Was that last week? That was last week. Yeah. <sighs> so real estate's moving fast. <laughs> I just proved the point because I was like, I don't know when that was. <laughs> it was. I know it was recent. <laughs> so um, your, the name of your podcast is? Sold with Updike Pew. Okay. And then when does it air? It airs Wednesdays at noon. Live. On Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. Okay. But if you can't catch it then, you are welcome to go to our Facebook page and you can watch every every one of our 178 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. It is. Yeah. Heck you yeah. guys are champs. We've done it for uh, almost three years. It was almost three years? Yeah. yeah almost three years. And uh, we've only missed, I mean, gosh, 
six weeks out of three years or something like that. We usually take a couple of weeks off during the holidays and mm -hmm. we'll replace something. But um, yeah, it's live and fresh and new every week. Talk about your format. What do you talk about on your show? Because you do have a consistent format. Yeah. So we always do, um, we're in a more of a stand-up scenario with the same number of cameras that you have. And we I have know, the... next time I'm so tall, next time I need yeah. to stand <laughs> No, we actually need to get on the potato box and stand up. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and we typically highlight two of our properties or two other properties that are within our company. Um, we'll preview them ahead of time, and then our marketing person takes and creates a reel that we talk over um, as it's showing on the, on the screen. And uh, we're in the lower thirds kind of helps everybody understand. And then we'll bring in the map to talk about what it's near. We'll bring in links and talk about where's the restaurant that Restaurants we like to go we've eat. Restaurants food, specific things on the menu we like. Yeah. And then, I know, and I think that's some really, I don't want to skip over that detail because I think that kind of circles back to what we started talking about. It really positions you guys as the neighborhood expert yep. because you've actually taken the time, or you already know, right. what what is around this property that would be really fun for people who want to buy this property. Right. And so you've even gone so far as to throw, throw up the menus and pick out your favorite wines mm -hmm. and food. And I'm like, oh my God, now I'm hungry and I'm going to go eat there. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and it's supposed to work like that because at the end of the day, we're using this format, uh, just like you are right now, but we're talking to people that, you know, might be in South Lake or they might be in San Diego mm. and we don't know where they're coming from. And so we want to tell them as locals that enjoy this town, we want to show you what we love and what we like to do. And so it's an easy format for us to do that. I think it really comes across. I mean, you've even highlighted a dry cleaner and the things you need, parks around, mm -hmm. you know, things for the family. Yes. I think all of that is really important information that you're getting across. And then it makes me want to go to Dallas, but I'm not <laughs> going <laughs> yeah. to. It's, it's a really good, uh, it's a really good way to introduce ourselves to people that don't know us. 85% um, <clears throat> of our business is past client customer <clears throat> referral, but we still need that 15% to come in, the fresh yep. new people into the database every year. And so when, uh, even if it's someone that <clears throat> refers uh, one of our good customers that re clients that refers someone to us in that initial phone call will always say, Hey, and you know, if you want to learn a little bit more about us, go over here and we'll send them a link to the show and they can, you know, they can kind of hear how we talk, our personalities, you know, realize that we're real people. Mm -hmm. And when open houses were a thing, we always had like a set of takeaways from the property. And one of the takeaways wasn't just about the property. It was about the show. Oh, and so it kind of fit into the, everything. And what that did is even if they didn't go to it, it had the picture with us behind the green screen and the microphones in front of us. So it lets you know that we were doing that plus directions how to get to it. So they did. They didn't know who we were. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like, who are these men that are coming to the house? Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. that. They already knew how we to talked, how we joked, and they understood us more as a friend. Yeah. And that's important. It's funny how um, people... I feel like sometimes I get a little surprised at how familiar people are with us after they've saw, seen that because they've, you know, they've heard us talk for, if they watch one show, they've heard us talk for half an hour. Sure. But uh, we may have only had a five minute phone conversation with them. So when we get out and, you know, meet them at that first house, they're like, oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah, oh, and I'm like, you. I'm like so familiar. Hi. What is that? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, oh, you want a hug? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good. It's the way that it's supposed to work. It is. And, and then in the second half of the show, what we always do is we talk about, like last week we talked about interest rates are rising and what does that do to your buying capability? Love that. And also, what does it do as far as monthly? But then we've done fun stuff as we had um, a lady on the show that built chicken coops. And we had her on the show when we talked I love about that. that. That's fantastic. And it's just like to bring things to you that are both educational and fun, mm -hmm. okay. you know, and what's local. We really like to use local people. There was a guy in McKinney that had a store in downtown McKinney and he built uh, Murphy beds and he built the best Murphy beds. They were incredible. And we just thought it'd be so fun to bring that on because saving space. How do you transition a three bedroom, but you don't need that bed always out. You could use it as an office or as a kid's room, make it more of a playroom and they just sleep in the playroom. So again, we're just trying to think of different Very ways. Very creative. Mm -hmm. Get that content out in front of people and let them know that we think differently. 
So and it all becomes searchable. You know, mm -hmm. it's all. Yep. It's anybody. Well, it's that, the, it's where you need to be. You, yeah. you yeah. don't necessarily have to do a podcast, but you need to be doing video on social media. Mm -hmm. I talk about this all of the time. So, you know, if you want your people to see you, this is where they're going to see you. Yeah. And continuity is the key. Mm -hmm. Continuity is because you you become more comfortable over time doing it. If, Absolutely. I, I know just the, the the weeks that we don't do a show where we'll skip over a holiday or Christmas or something and we come back that second week. Hey, it's got to, I got to remember how to do it. You know, it's because yeah. <laughs> it's a fast conversation. Yeah, it is yeah. a fast conversation. Yeah. Well, you brought up fun. Yeah. So I decided I wanted to have just a little, just a quick second of fun with you guys today. No big deal. Okay. It's just, okay. I'm going to give Jeff a hard time um, because I can, because it's my show. <laughs> you should. Please. I'm all ears. Go right so ahead. Weston, we're going to play a little game today. Two pictures are going to go up on the screen and it is your job to identify <laughs> what is is missing from the pictures. Okay. <laughs> There's picture one. Okay. <laughs> Jeff already knows what I'm talking about. Trying to and there's picture okay. two. What is missing from oh. the pictures? Andrew, go back to the first one again. Jeff does not have a number. I think someone may have jumped in at the end. <laughs> So these so, pictures uh, come up on our news feed, our Facebook feed every year, uh, and one of them magically will come up and say, and Jeff will say, what a great what race a great we race. ran <laughs> for the beads. The craziest thing is, is that who would run a 5K with beads around their neck? Yeah. I would lose my mind. Yep. No, that's so funny. So God. that is hilarious. There, I believe there's actually a third picture that I was, I a third year. Was, yeah. That I'm trying to find. So this was 2012 and God. 2013. That's so funny. Look how baby, look, we look like babies. Oh my gosh. Um, but I, and so I, as when I was working for Arch, I sponsored. Oh yeah. People to run the race because it was a, I think it was a charitable fundraiser, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? And so I paid for Jeff to run, not run that race for three <laughs> years. <laughs> Yeah, running is not my forte. I only run to be chased. I, you know, if you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter. <laughs> so that was a little bit of fun that I wanted to have today just because I couldn't resist. That's awesome. So good. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for being on our show today. It's always great to see you guys. I love you very much. And so thank you for joining us on another episode. Uh, again, if you like our content, you're really going to love my escrow team. So let's get a conversation started about how we can work together. You guys make it a great day. Remax Urban, Florence and the Machine. The dog days are over. Happiness.